0: Here comes Milwaukee, Forbes, another three. Oh, <laughs> no! <laughs> this is the Random Scrub Heat Podcast.
1: Welcome, boys. Welcome one, welcome all to the Random Scrub Heat Podcast presented by The Basement. I am your host, LJ Cascon. I have the father of the basement, Harry. I got the thunder from down under. He's actually below me right now, George. And then if it ain't foreign, it's born. Y'all know the deal, Alex Maserati. We're back, and we had quite a week, I'd say. We're going to we're gonna dive right in off the rip. Just a weekly recap here. The Heat went 3-0, first three-game winning streak of the season over the last week, two wins over Charlotte, one a rather convincing win being the most recent, and then the other one furthest away, it was relatively concerning. I do think they've kind of right the ship. And then the last one, last night's victory over the Phoenix Suns, uh, a heart pounding win where they uh, were able to overcome superstar Dwayne Washington Jr. and the Phoenix Suns. So – any single time uh, Washington had the ball, I was concerned. Uh, he had nine points all season entering the game against Miami, and then he pops off for 21, a career high 21, making him the newest member of the random scrub heat killers. Congratulations, Dwayne! If everyone wants to unmute, we can give Dwayne a round of applause, real quick. <laughs> we had to, you know, we had to give him his flowers because it's not every day you get to induct someone new into the club. So we wanted to show our respects naturally. So now that we've gotten all past that, we have a new member of the club. Again, congrats, Dwayne. We're so proud of you, Um, especially because we got the win. And whenever some random scrub goes off and rubs their nuts all over our face, we usually end up with an L. And that wasn't the case. We got the dub. So let's go. Let's go. Let's talk a little bit more about that dub because I'm going to let you guys pick anything you want to talk about here because we have everything. You got Bam going nuclear, getting 30 points, 10 rebounds, personally fueling that comeback in the fourth quarter. Jimmy was Jimmy, 16, 13, and 7. And then he put on a a defensive clinic in that fourth quarter, culminating with one of the best straight-up defensive plays you'll ever see, bodying up and blocking Booker's attempted game winner. Correct me if I'm wrong. I saw shades of Chris Bosh blocking uh, Danny Green in the corner of game six in the 2013 finals against the Spurs. Just a little something that I got from it. And then you got the Kyle Lowry experience. Stupid plays on offense, flops, good charges, and big-time fourth-quarter shots. Like, you got everything from Kyle Lowry that you can expect to get from Kyle Lowry. So, I'll toss it to Alex first. to Walk me through something. What was your favorite thing that you saw from that game?
0: I got to talk about Bam, man. I love when Bam is going and attacking the rim in transition, bro. When he goes coast to coast like that. I mean, he had the crazy spin move, the layup and one. I mean, that was freaking lunacy. He had so many plays in transition initiating the offense and just not setting screens and kind of defaulting to someone else. I know we've all have been saying it, if he can do this every night. He doesn't necessarily have to do this every night, but I just think, especially in transition, he gets fouled a lot. He's just the most athletic guy on the floor. And of course, defensively, he's an absolute monster. Nights like last night are reasons why I can just never get mad at Bam because this man is doing everything when he's off the floor, the defense is straight up ass. There's no other way to put it. They can't stop anybody interior and Dwayne Deming wasn't even bad last night offensively. But again, the defense just goes in the toilet when not on the floor. And then when he gives you 30 and 10, like that, I mean, 12 or 14 from the charity stripe is something you love to see from your big man. Like just attack the rim, bro. In transition. You're faster than four out of the five dudes on the floor. You're bigger, you're faster, you're stronger attack my man, because when he's like this, this this changes the whole team. This is this looks like one of the best duos in the NBA. When Jimmy does that two ways, I mean Jimmy Butler with again 13 and 7, and Bam going 30 and 10, like that's that's championship level stuff. And I know we can't get it every night, but man, when Bam does that, it just it, it reminds me of how much I love Bam and why I think he's probably my favorite player on the team and why we can never consider moving off of this man. And I I will never slander this man. He is way way too good. Has I think Spoelstra said after the game, he's never coached someone with more responsibilities. I mean, what he does, we joke all the time that every bucket that Hero gets and Struess and all these other guys like Bam should get an assist just from the screen. And then defensively, what he does is ridiculous. And then giving you 30 and 10 in a game that you had to have against a very good team the last few years, it was just elite in every single way, shape and form. I, I just, I hope we get to see it more, man. I just hope we get to see it more from Bam. You brought that up too is against a
1: quality opponent and that would have killed to get those performances from your guys. I remember Harry talking about it last week, losing a game against Portland, where it was like everything offensively kind of went right. And to lose that is a real gut punch. And again, it was a Phoenix team that is a year or so removed from the finals. You've lost four of five against that Phoenix team with the one win culminating last year when the shooters just went nuclear in Phoenix. To, now you've won two of three against Phoenix. And that's a win that you can really kind of hang your hat on and it can turn your season around. That's how significant of a victory that was for Miami. Harry, I want to go to you. What what stood out to you the most out of that victory last night?
2: Um, you know, it's got to be the game-saving block by Jimmy. Uh, just a really amazing defensive play. And he gives you that all the time, but it's just like, You watch because I've seen the clip a lot now. You you watch how focused he is, how he's just watching every single movement from Booker and where he's gonna go. And then you don't see a lot because it's just a fundamental move that guys don't think about. You always go up with your left hand against a right-handed shooter. You don't have to go across your body to block him. It's a more natural movement. You uh, you know pre-show you brought up the Bosch block on Tony Parker in the finals, very similar plays, Um, and he just like took all of his lunch money and. You know, obviously he was able to get up another shot that was way off. Um, But Jimmy's just elite. I I was thinking earlier and seeing some stats. The Heat are actually a pretty good clutch offense uh, or a clutch team this year. Clutch is uh, within five points with less than five minutes remaining. But they're still not a very good fourth quarter team. So that just means, like, they really, really struggle in the non-Jimmy minutes. And that's something they're going to have to figure out. But just, like... Jimmy brought it home. It wasn't necessarily like his best offensive game, but he kind of gave you everything you needed. Um, as Alex was saying, Bam kind of brought it home and that was an unbelievable block. Devin Booker was really um, doing a dirty all night and um, for him to close the game like that, I think, I mean, he was pumped. He, re- he went to the sideline. He gave Spolstra a monster hug. I think it was just kind of like relief. They had, they had played well and they had, uh, you know, staved off a pretty good team. Um, but that Jimmy block is iconic, and it was a good win for a team that you know has had their up and downs to start the season. So I'm gonna give Jimmy props. He saved the game, and I'm I'm sure they. I know he he said he liked doing it defensively and doing it on defense. So that's gotta feel good for the guys.
1: Also, him blocking Booker when he kicked out his leg. And when Booker made that huge three a couple possessions earlier, when he kicked out his leg, he was hunting, trying to get some fouls called. And Jimmy was just having none of it. Like he, he that was just straight up, you're not scoring on me. Watch me block you any chance I get type of mentality from Jimmy. And we, like you said, also, Jimmy loves to play defense. And during the regular season, you don't see it as often. You see it way more in the playoffs. But during a high-intensity game like what we watched last night that has a playoff feel against a Western Conference opponent, you don't get that very often. That was just a joy to watch. And, George, I want to go to you now. Talk about whatever you want to talk about the game, but I want you to sprinkle in a little bit of Kyle Lowry. Say something nice about Kyle Lowry, too. I mean, the man did play relatively well, uh, not just for his contract, but just in general. Kyle, it, It wasn't a bad Kyle game, was it?
3: No, I'm not saying that's something nice about him. It's it's against every fiber of my being. I want him out of here. But okay, in 39 minutes, he did give us he, he did give us something that that we needed. He was still there on the floor. You know, shooting two or five from three wasn't the worst thing in the world. Um, the shots he chucks up during the game just kill me half the time. But look, I, I wanted to focus on the team as a whole because when you look at the Phoenix Suns and what they did yesterday against any other team, in my opinion. Know, uh, take away a couple, they win with, with the team, with the game that they had. R- take away Cameron Payne shooting 4 of 17 from, from the field. The entire team had a really, really solid offensive output. You know, uh, Dwayne Washington, 8 of 14. Uh, Booker, 11 for 22. Aiden, 8 of 10. Uh, Bridges, 7 of 14. They, they they played well, and they were able to get the shot a fair amount of the time. But the Heat just came up in that clutch situation. The games won, you know, in those moments, where you, when you're when you're locking down, trying to get those possessions back, and we had fallen behind in the third quarter, we really did, and it looked like it was going to be one of those games where we kept it close to halftime, and and they just run away with the game. But to have the resilience to come and and do that is fantastic. And I bring it back to a Bam quote that he said a um, uh, a little while back. Now was when he said that we're not going to flash our way to wins. We're going to be you know grit and grind our way to wins, and we're going to be you know dirty and and, and get it done. And shooting 20, 25 free throws to, to four, that's exactly the way you're going to, you know, that that he embodied it as well. Bam had 14 of those, which is such an amazing stat for him, showing that his he was aggressive in his, in his offensive out, um, outlook, and it, it, it really helped us. But the team as a whole played well, I believe. Even even stretching to Duncan Robertson, who still shot three of seven, but played, you know, he gave us some good buckets. He missed a few. Then he sat down. You know, we, he did He did exactly what we wanted to do. Dwayne Dedman shot th- back-to-back threes, and they both went in. And it was beautiful. And he had four rebounds. And an offensive rebound that led to a, an easy putback. So it was nice to see that from him. Gave Vincent four rebounds, four assists. Um, Coming off the bench, still doing a pretty good job. And and K- Caleb Martin is the person I really want to talk, to talk about now. Shooting five or six from three is something that he's been working on in the offseason. You've seen it. Time and time again, he had two blocks as well. It was a real crucial part of this win. When you know, when you've got players like Struce shooting one from five and, and and two from six from Duncan and Lowry shooting two from five, having five from six from a guy that we don't really expect to hit those threes is such a good lift for our team and um and really kept us around long enough to um to you know to get the win. But that Jimmy block, man, just just sent me over the edge. Watching someone who whose defense Everyone knows that he's a good defender, but seeing it you know, materialize like that when the game matters is just perfect. Um, We need Bam and Jimmy to do that every single night. And Jimmy didn't have the best offensive performance, but 13 rebounds, seven assists. uh, It's still, he's still the best player on our team and we need him to perform in games like this. And it's a good um, indication that come playoff time, hopefully they can hang their hats out, you know, a good Bam performance like that when they need it. And hopefully he can bring that uh, throughout the regular season
1: you mentioned the free throw disparity and I'm going to get close to my mic so everyone can make sure they know how I feel about this 25 to four. I loved it. I loved every bit of it because a certain sons analyst who will not be named uh, went on Twitter and started whining about 25 to four. And it's maybe, maybe it's because every single time you got in the paint, it was either an eight and dunk or it was a campaign floater from 10 feet out. Miami based their defense around this specifically, and Jimmy even said it earlier today also, or maybe it was last night after the game, I don't remember. He said their defense was specifically designed to encourage floaters and not to foul them, and their plan worked. And to see that from, again, like George, you said, they locked in on defense there. This is the first time, at least that I can recall this season, where you saw glimpses of last year's defensive mentality, where it was like, okay, the dogs are back. They're barking they had that mentality today or last night rather in that game. And that was just so encouraging because obviously throughout all the offseason, we're saying they don't have the dogs to be able to do that same kind of defensive effort that they would put it put forth night in and night out last season. That wasn't the case in this game. And of course, small sample size, but it's exactly what you wanted to see from a team that just didn't really have that much fight on defense earlier on in the season. And we're getting carved apart and it, I know I mentioned it in the pregame. I want to get back to it a little bit. Is that that was the Portland game reversed, in my opinion? You know, you go down, you get outplayed for a good majority of the game, not like a vast majority. You didn't get completely the doors blown off you, but you kept it relatively close. You were down by 13 late in the second half, and then you just locked in the fourth quarter and stole it. Portland's defense shut down Miami's offense and made them stagnant, and they just made shots to come back and steal that game in Miami the other week. Miami did the same exact thing, rules reversed against Phoenix last night. And the Heat are, in fact, playing their best ball of the season right now. And although it wasn't all peaches and cream, you got to be honest. And when you're cognizant of teams' deficiencies, you can't just look at it through rose-colored glasses. You need to be able to tell that this team still does have problems, even though they are pushing through them and playing better ball as of late. Miami was exposed all night and continuing to be the smallest team in the league with a smile on their face. DeAndre Ayton, Torrey Craig, killing them on the boards for a good part of last night. And – I think it was Craig that did it to Duncan near the end of the third quarter after Dwayne Dedman hit those two threes in a row. And Dedman was letting Duncan hear it, that he wasn't getting that board. I, I know the broadcast didn't exactly touch on it, but you could tell Dwayne Dedman was pissed. And he was letting Duncan hear it that he wasn't able to box out and get that board because it kind of stagnated a little bit of a run. But you, you want to be upset that they don't have the bodies to really rebound, but it's like you can't. Th- this is what they have until we lean into a little more of trade talk later on in the show, and later on in the season when they're able to actually fix something. Um, th- but what they can fix right now is this eight-man rotation, this irritating eight-man rotation that they are just so happy to ro- roll out their night in and night out. And you're going to run your short list of players into the ground before the new year, before it is 2023. Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry are not spring chickens. They have played a lot of minutes in their careers. And it's one thing that you if you didn't have the bodies... Like it made more sense for them to do this last season because Kyle Guy and Chris Silva, shout out George, actually got minutes last season. You have more promising players, i.e. Nikola Jovic. You have Jamal Kane. They just called up Orlando Robinson. You have guys to pull back on right now. And it's a fair gripe to have considering the fact that they aren't doing it. And as George goes on, no one can see right now, he, he's, he's showing his respects to Chris Silva. So I want to go to you, Alex. What's going on with this eight-man rotation? Why are they not kind of leaning on some of the younger guys to alleviate minutes off of some of the older players?
0: I quite literally have no words for it. I, I will always go to bat defending Spo. I think he's one of the best coaches in NBA history and in a Miami market that has had instability with the Dolphins, Marlins. I can never be salty that this man has been on the bench for as long as he has been what the fuck are you thinking? Like, I can't, I cannot describe. I play two K GMS all the time. I put Jimmy Butler's minutes at like 33, bro. I, I put Kyle Lowry's at 28. Give Gabe Vincent more minutes, cut them in half. Like literally I don't understand. And I, I want to say some nice things about Larry, but the fact that we're looking at a performance in 39 minutes, two of five shooting, and we're like, Hey, this is the best we're going to get screams. Give this guy less minutes to me. When you run out eight people this early in the season. You you talked about it running guys into the ground. Like is Tom Thibodeau, like the spirit of Tom Thibodeau just like lurking in the background here? Like I Jimmy Butler I guess can handle it and he will always say he can handle it, but if he runs out of gas in the playoffs, you're cooked. You're not even making it out of the first round. Like if he can't do what he does. Um I think again I think Bam can handle it. Uh we got dudes already injured like I don't know, man. And again, some of it maybe isn't necessarily their fault. I, I, I hate to bring up the depot thing, but he got hurt. Omar Yurtzman, who was supposed to save the rebounding of this team, apparently, uh, he's not even going to play this year. So we can just consider that project done for. I don't even think he'll be back on the roster next year. Why isn't Nikola Jovich playing? Why? Dwayne Dedman is he's still terrible. I cannot watch another skyhook. I can't watch another scoop layup. I can't watch an- I mean, he's yelling at Duncan. Bro, look in the fucking mirror. It starts with you as the big man. Get the rebound. Make a block. Make a play. Like the common denominator what happens is bam comes out, you come in. This defense sucks. So it's it starts with you and I I, I agree. It's really easy to yell at Duncan on defense Wayne deadman. Everybody fucking does it from their living room every single night. How about you fucking do something, bro? And like, let's make a play here. Call some guys, make some trades. We're going to talk about that later. But give Nikola Jovic some minutes. I don't, I know he's not the best rebounder in the world, but the dude's tall. I mean, he's going to luck his way into a few, right? Like, I, I, that's just how I feel it. Or he's at least going to do a better job than what we're going out there right now. And again, I see him hitting threes and warmups, and it just makes me think about playing him next to Bam. But listen. I think Tyler Hero also is a big part of the rebounding. He's a very – I'm going to you know crap on Tyler Hero later on in the show, but, like, he is a good rebounder for his size. He's a very aggressive rebounder for a guard. They're missing a little bit of that. Everyone on the team needs to have that mentality of, like, we have to go up and get boards. We just have to, especially if Bam's going to go all the way on the three-point line and try to guard Devin Booker, some of the best players in the NBA. You need someone on the back end to help with it. But to just get back to your main question about the eight-man rotation – I mean, I just think it's stupidity, to be honest with you. And that's coming from someone who fucking loves Spo. But this is a recipe for people to get hurt. I don't know how Kyle Lowry hasn't gotten hurt already. Like, seriously, I don't know how his hamstrings are still intact right now. Because I can't play 39 minutes a night. I know for damn sure he really shouldn't be. I think the last time he did it was 2016. Like, I don't – this is concerning to me, man. And, again, even when he plays well, I understand you want to give him more minutes. But this guy's old. This guy gets hurt. And I'm concerned about Jimmy, too, man. So, I – they got to figure something out, even if it's just spurt minutes for some of these guys. Give some dudes some relief. And I know we talk about how they get killed and without the minutes of Jimmy and Bam, so it forces Spone to a tough spot. But there's got to be days where you're not relying on him to play 40 minutes to beat Charlotte.
1: Harry, I'm specifically going to skip over you right here. We're going to come back, and I'll let you close it out, because I know you have some choice words about it. George, you're up. What do you think about this eight-man nonsense?
3: Look, when it comes to rotation, I understand and I agree that eight men is just not the way to go right now. It's never the way we've operated last year when we, you know, topped the East. We were playing games with 11, 12 men in the, in the rotation. It was it was happening frequently. But when I look at who is available right now, um, you know, players like Jamal Kane, Highsmith, Jovic, Haslam. I, I, I look at Jovic as a long-term prospect. He needs to be in the G League. He needs to be getting minutes. He needs to be in the gym. He needs to be on a proper nutrition plan. I don't think he needs to be playing right now in the team. I don't see him benefiting more from minutes up at this level in the in the 11 to 12 range when you could literally be playing 30 minutes in the G League and, and dominating and, and, and actually honing in on your game, working with trainers. He's a long-term prospect. Players like Jamal Kane should be making their way into the rotation right now. Haslam is 40 years old, 40-something years old. Uh, he does not need to be playing in the rotation. So it comes down to Highsmith and, and Kane. Those two players should be getting minutes. And I get it, 39 minutes from Kyle Lowry, unacceptable. Max Strews, 36, he can deal with it, but I, I would like to see more around the 30-minute range. Um, Bam, 36 is fine. Caleb, 37, he's young, he can do it. It's what he paid him to do. Butler, 35 in the regular season should not be happening. I, I, I don't think it's necessary... Um, to have him play that many minutes, it's probably necessary for us to win, but I, I don't, I would like to see his minutes come down a little bit. But players like Kane, who are, who are trying to crack the rotation, who are trying to make a name for themselves and trying to earn a contract with this team and show their worth, um, should be playing. That's that's the bottom line. When it comes solely to Jovic, I don't see him getting minutes and you know, and, and actually benefiting from this time in, in, in the game. I understand he's tall but he's so skinny. He's super skinny. He needs to put on some weight and, and God forbid he gets an injury when, when we don't need him to as well, but put him in the G league. just, just slap him in there, get anybody else. We've got a whole league of guys down there willing, you know, who are NBA ready um, to try and make the name for themselves. Go get one of them. I I haven't looked at the G league in, in in a hot minute. So I'm not going to try and call out anybody who's been playing there right now. We did cut Drew Smith. Um, from the team to sign Orlando Robinson, why isn't he playing? He's he's a big man. We needed more rebounding yesterday. Um, you know, we, we got a rebound of forty five to forty two, but that's a rare occurrence when Bam's catching ten, Butler's getting thirteen, Caleb Mann's actually getting five rebounds, which doesn't seem like a lot for but for Caleb, those are decent numbers. So these players should be making the rotation. Um, Spolstra, I, I, there's definitely a reason behind it. Like let's let's be honest, but he's not dumb. He's not a stupid guy. I, I, I maybe he's trying to send a message to the front office and saying these are the players that are actually ready to play and who I've got to work with. So I'm going to make a statement saying I'm only going to play either of them because of the other four, four players, Kane, Highsmith, Jovic, and Haslam—you are either too old or just not not experienced enough to give us give us something. But I would like to see Orlando Robinson get some minutes. Um, Dwayne Demeran had a really, really good game in comparison to what he did. The whole yelling, <laughs> the whole yelling about Duncan is is awesomely ironic. It really is. But um, I'm going to snatch something I heard from the post game show yesterday uh, when we were talking about the. So I wasn't talking about when they were talking about um, Dwayne Dedman, He's he's kind of suffering from the system he's playing in as well because they like to switch him and they are talking about blitzing him uh, playing you know playing blitz on top of there and he's just stuck in no man's land when we need a rebound. Um, that's a coach problem. That's a system problem. That's not always a, a Dwayne demo problem. I never thought I'd be sitting here making excuses for a girl like that <laughs> who's been playing terribly all season. But um, he, did, he did good yesterday, and I'm happy. He got three offensive rebounds out of the four he got. So um, he did exactly what we needed him to do. But I would like to see Orlando make a, a, an appearance soon.
1: I agree with you completely that it, this system doesn't exactly benefit his particular set of, uh, set of skills. Uh, but you have, it's early in the season, and that's why you have gotten a string of actually decent Deadman games back to back. He played decent enough in the two against Charlotte. He was good against Portland. He was flat out good last night. And that's crazy to say. But you're right. Orlando Robinson, as the season goes on, they already called him up. But that was an interesting point you brought up about Spo maybe trying to send a message with it because that would make sense on why he's not doing it because Jovic, you have him. He's on the roster. He needs minutes, not NBA minutes maybe, but he needs minutes in general to get some run. And the fact that he's not in the G League getting those minutes, I, I, I'm i a little confused by that. Because if you're going to have him on the roster and have him dress for games and he's not going to actually get in on the floor when you have an eight-man rotation, I get it's probably nine when Tyler's not injured. But still, that's like you could at least balloon that to 11 by playing a Jamal Kane or an Orlando Robinson. If you really don't think that Jovic is ready. And I agree, he's probably not ready. He's a little too raw, but even then send him to the G league and let the dude get some run because I personally do think Kane is ready. My personal opinion, I think he's ready. I saw enough in the preseason to think he can contribute and he can bring value to the team hand in the air. I was an Orlando Robinson hater in the preseason and the the summer league. I deserve that George. I, I was an Orlando Robinson hater. I think his hands are ass. I don't think he can catch worth a shit. I don't. I, I I don't think he has any touch around the rim at all. I think it's like you have a better chance of throwing a rock. Like for me going on an NBA court and hitting a hook shot around the rim than Orlando Robinson does of throwing a rock into the ocean on a boat in the middle of the ocean. I don't. I just, I'm not a huge fan of him. Alex, Jeff, something you wanted to add about it?
0: Why the fuck didn't we call Dwight Howard? How did he go overseas? Like how was Dwayne Demon playing and not Dwight
3: Howard in the NBA? Like Dwight's he's Howard- he's trash. This I is know, trash. He's he trash deserves to be more. there.
0: He, no, I, he
3: deserves to be there.
0: I know Dwight Howard's trash, but like he's Dwayne enjoying Den-
3: China. Let him Let him enjoy it.
0: Wayne Deadman's worse. I don't worse. care 100%. Like there's got to be dudes out there on the street at the Y that are better than some of the dudes we're throwing out there to yeah. fuck the
3: rebound. Drew Smith, you got 11 rebounds in the G League.
0: <laughs> Dare I say, Hassan Whiteside?
1: I'm kidding. I'm kidding. George got up. George is about to leave. I'm kidding. Come back. Come back. Don't have a heart attack. It was just a joke.
2: Man, George is about to go fight a kangaroo.
1: That's what I'm saying. George is about to go outside and grab a a wallaby and whoop its ass for me. All right, Harry. Let's get back on topic. Back to you. Go speak your piece about the eight-man rotation. I know you've done it in the past. I'll give you the floor again and just go crazy.
2: Yeah, I mean we. We can look. I don't want to sit here and question uh, an all time championship coach, but I'm going to do it anyway because that's what I do and it's good. Like, it's a weird strategy. Um, you know, they, they're winning and it's a, you know, the rotation's working, but it, it's not the playoffs. We don't need eight guys. And I think you're kind of right, LJ. Like, maybe when they get Tyler back, maybe if they could work in Depot for any minutes at all, like, you know, a 10 man rotation would help. Um, anything like that would help. Duncan's out there simply because they they got nobody else. He I, I was looking it up earlier. They got nine guys playing 12 minutes a game. Duncan's the eighth worst three-point shooter out of those nine guys. The only guy behind him is Bam who hasn't hit one yet. Um, and if he's not shooting, I just don't really see much use for him out there. Uh, I know people are very excited that he learned how to dribble and uh, you know go inside the arc a couple times a game. But the bar is so low for that guy. I mean, I, I could jump over the bar, and I can't jump at all. So... Um, just, you know, we need to move on from him and hopefully we can, we can do that and we can, we can work out a trade, but I'm with you, man. Like people were getting, they were saying, man, this team isn't playing with a lot of effort yesterday. Like, no, I just think they're tired and they're old and, um, they need guys in there. Like the reason why I really liked Jamal Kane in the preseason was because that guy was all over the place. Um, that is the kite. That's the type of energy they need. You know they're missing rebounding from Hero and and Depot, but they could use another guy that can get to grab boards. No one talked about this because we won, but um, Payne went in for the floater yesterday to win the game. It rolls off the rim and it just like lands right in Aiden's hands, and that's how they got a second possession. Like of all the times, you got to box that guy out and you got to make sure that you get the rebound. It's to make sure they don't get a second chance on the last play of the game. So um, you know we need to we need to work this out. I really don't think eight eight guys is going to work, especially these are going to be some tough road games. We have a back-to-back coming up too. Um, You know, the last thing we could possibly afford is another injury or something. And you're kind of risking it when you're playing Kyle, 39 minutes, Jimmy more minutes. Um, Even, I don't even like Bam playing a lot, even though the team, the defense is so bad without him, but They need to work, they need to figure this out, and hopefully, they're getting reinforcements soon, whether from guys that are coming back or we'll look into making trades around mid
1: December.
3: Yeah, I just want to add as well there's a um, I just had a quick, quick gaze to the um, to the uh, G League, and we got a guy named Chandler Hudson there, and um, he's a career 44% three point scorer. No, sorry, uh, field goal scorer 30 from three, but he's averaging 57 from, from the arc this season in the G League. And a guy like that could walk right into the rotation right now and give you, um, and give you good minutes. He could give you, you know, good scoring in, in his last few games. He's actually been playing really, really well. So to see him come up, um, and get some minutes there as well, he's one guy. You know, we've also got Jamari Bouye, uh, DJ Stewart, they, they've just been sitting there in the G League. And if I just read you, and I understand it's the G League, I get it. I'm very well aware. But Jamara Bouye is averaging 19.3 points a game, 8.8 rebounds, 6 assists, off 67% scoring. Like, if you're not going to reward players in the G League to come up and at least give you minutes, if you're not going to play players like Heisswith and players like, um, like Jamal Kane, when they've already been playing well, to bring them into the rotation and play at all, why have them there? That's what I'm saying. Put them back in the G League. They could use them. So I don't know. I want to see where the organization goes from here in terms of of talent they've already got and they've already been developing in the G League.
1: I will say that, you know, it's a talent-driven league, and five of the eight-man rotation that we saw the other night was undrafted. Five out of the eight. That's over 50% of your rotation that are undrafted guys and at some point enough is enough and you have to add talent because look what spo is doing with these undrafted guys i saw harry say it on twitter the other day imagine if you got him some other players with legit like raw talent like that are just amazing basketball players in general and don't need to be crafted in the lab for two years in a g league developmental system i mean miami has insurance literally sitting there right on the bench and they're not using it but you know who also has insurance the sponsor of The Basement, Simple Health Advisors, a primary sponsor of The Basement. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated. Email them or give them a call today and tell them that The Basement sent you. Email our boy, Jay Poe, advisors.com You can give them a call as well at 321-345-7738. One more time, you can call them at 321-345-7738. Now we're going to do something brand new that we haven't done on the show before. Brand new segment called Trading Spaces. I'm going to toss over to our boy Alex, not Maserati, our different boy, Alex Sheltman. And he is going to walk us through a couple of trades that he's kind of been cooking up in the lab. It's a little bit of a sneak preview to a, a possible future show that we might also be doing on the network. So we're gonna see how it goes. Alex, uh, the floor is yours, my man.
4: Hey, thanks for uh, bringing me on, fellows. Uh, appreciate that. So I, I cooked up a couple things here. Um, you know, Just a couple small, medium, large trade is sort of what I'm calling them. Um, and you know, we give up varying assets depending on on what we're getting back, of course. Um, And and I tried to make them as realistic as possible. Obviously, these aren't going to be as, you know, set in stone as to what the actual trade would be. Um, But the first one I I, I put together here was, um, you know, looking for continuous help at the four, which seems to be the theme, Um, getting something like a Kelly Olenek back. I also added in a Jordan Clarkson. I feel like the jazz really just don't actually want to be good this year. Um, And I think they might be more willing to move off of someone like Jordan Clarkson and and Kelly O who are obviously making the team better. Um, And, you know, we're giving up like a salary match, which would obviously be Duncan. Everyone's going to be excited for that. That's going to be a theme going forward in these as well, getting rid of Duncan in in a lot of these trades. Um, but I I think we would have to give up something like a Jovich and a, uh, you know, maybe like one first, uh, to entice them to, to jump on board with that trade. Um, you know, that's, that's the first small one there. I don't know if anyone wants to jump in on that or, or give any thoughts on, on, on the opinion on that one.
1: Just real quick. I would, I know Harry has something to say too, but it was like, I'm not in love with, I mean, I like what we get back to, but I'm not in love with departing a first round pick and the possibility of whatever Jovic could become just for kind of a temporary thing that I think only makes you not a first round exit, but maybe a second round exit or an Eastern conference finals exit. I'm more so, I don't, me personally, I don't want to part with that pick because again, like we said, the other show that pick in a draft, this monumental to me, I think this is a great draft. I want to hold on to that unless I'm getting something back where I'm like, it's going to be a long-term thing and you're not punting on whatever Jovic could become, unless you're getting something really, really good back. Harry, what, what do you think?
2: um you know hey i'm i'm open to the idea i think maybe you're right about utah where maybe they'd be more willing to take a later pick in the 2020s like a 2029 or something because they have so many picks coming up from the two trades they made so that's something i probably w- could be talked into i'm high of giving up jovich and the pick even though i understand that clarkson is both a good score and obviously you have his bird rights to sign him again so um I like the idea, you know. You guys know how I feel about Kelly Olynyk. He's not my favorite guy. He's obviously an upgrade over Duncan, and he does fit well next to Bam. But um, I just keep remembering him never setting his feet on threes, and I get frustrated. So um, I definitely, I could be talked into the deal. I'm given. I would give up one of those assets, and I would lean towards a late first. But de- dealing with Ainge is hard and you know the heat have done it before but much much smaller deals so uh we'll have to see what's going on but uh, alex i like the thoughts and i appreciate you bringing some uh, some different to the show
4: yeah for sure and if i could throw in one more thing there you know i i tend to agree um with what lj was saying on not wanting to give up that 2023 um i do happen to think that the the front office and the team just has this direction of they're not really going to think too much about the future with what the roster is and so while we may not want to give that up, I think more realistically, they're going to be willing to. Um, and, of course, I don't necessarily agree. I would um, prefer to go the other direction. Um, but that's, you know, maybe a conversation for a later date and time.
0: Uh, Harry, you also talked about the Olympic aspect of it. I'm in on Clarkson. I think Clarkson would be a great addition for this team, especially since Tyler Hero is just going to flat out not play that much this year for whatever reason. Uh, he's This ankle injury, man, is it's brutal, bro. I mean, he might be out all 82 at this point. This is fucking crazy. He's not traveling. So we need some scoring for sure. Kelly Lemmick doesn't set his feet, but he's making threes this year. I don't know if it's the environment. Probably feels like he's home right now in Utah. Uh, Obviously, you know, that's going to play a huge factor. Crowd goes crazy when he hits a three. I wonder why that happens. But, you know, it's it makes sense. Uh, But him and Bam, I I don't and I I got to be honest with you. I missed the Kelly keeper just a little bit. It was so clean, it was so smooth, and it was so awesome to watch. And I was there in person when he absolutely torched Boston uh, in that one game, and I just can't forget that. So I, I actually would do it, especially if that pick is way later. The only thing I'm against is, is giving up Jovich because I really like Jovich and I'm very high on him. But 100%, uh, I kind of like him, man, to be honest with you, especially if Utah's going to be moving off of it. And I like the aspect of like the later picks because Utah does have all those picks right now
3: yeah i'm gonna chime in as well quickly um on a scale of one to ten uh, ten saying do it and one being don't do it <laughs> i' i'm around a three on that as well i just don't i i for me personally i don't see the interest in trading Jovic and that pick I, i'm i'm with l j on this for a guy for a guy like clarkson i i'm i'm a big i'm actually very high on him uh and was in earlier in the season as well when we were in, uh, there was the, the preseason. He wasn't – Victor Deeb wasn't looked that great. I said, we might as well just go get Clarkson at this point because it's going to give you guaranteed scoring off the bench. But for Jovic in that first as well, I feel like if I'm trading a first-round pick and Jovic, I'm looking to get someone like Larry Market back out of them. If they really want to tank and they really want Wemby, then they can go all in and, and give us a play that we could actually use. And I, I understand it's Danny Ainge. I know the history there. Um, it's an extremely unlikely deal that they would – he would ever trade a player like that to a team like Miami. He's just not not about that. So that's, um, that's, you know, that's his loss. But I'm, I'm I'm keeping that pick as if it was going to be, you know, pick eight or pick seven, which it's not going to be. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm not too high on the trade. Can I just real quick spin it this way? If Utah comes
0: back to you, and I don't know how, again, this is unrealistic because he's playing so well this year, but if Danny Ainge is absolutely, like, committed to, like, we need to be one of the worst teams in the NBA this year, Larry Markkinen is making that very hard. That is someone who I would give up Jokic and a first-round pick for and put him next to Bam. I'm doing that 100%. He's going to win most improved player. I don't know if they're going to trade him because then it's just so obvious what you're trying to do considering his age as well as not being – he's not like anywhere near 30. He's not on the back end of his career or anything like that. But, bro, him next to Bam the way he's playing right now would be absolutely ridiculous.
1: I think it's more likely that it's a nudge, nudge, wink, wink. He ends up on the injury report before they trade him. That's just – I would see them probably going that route before they actually get rid of them. But then again, like you said, too, they have so many picks. I mean, how many more picks do they really need? There's only so many roster spots for all these picks that they got too. But what's the next trade you got, Alex?
4: Yeah, so I kind of beefed up the second one. Um, The the third one's going to get a little bit more complicated, but we'll start with the second one here I have. Um, This one's sort of more of an all-in move, which kind of bridges the gap for the player that we get in return. Um, What I was looking at, again, continuing with the theme of getting a four, um, you're getting uh, Harrison Barnes from the Kings. um, And now I am a firm believer in that the Kings like to pretend that they're going to compete every year, but they're not really going to compete every year. So maybe you can continue to entice them to sell off certain assets. Um, but I went one higher and I actually threw in Fox into the deal. And basically, um, the deal that we're giving up here is, uh, Lowry for filler. Everyone's going to love that. Um, Duncan, of course, more filler. And, uh, we're giving up Jovich and every first round draft pick we have available to trade. So at this point, I believe that is three. Um, we might need to make a small move to make that possible uh, in order to facilitate. Um, but the deal, of course, would net you, Darren Fox, who bridges the gap between, um, you know, current and future type of a player that we would be looking for.
1: I like that one a lot because you already know the history with Jimmy or not Jimmy with Bam and, and De'Aaron. They're already good friends. I think they have chemistry as well, um, not just on the floor, but off the floor. That does a lot. For, for what your team can eventually become. And I, I'm actually, i probably get flack for it, but I am a Harrison Barnes fan. I mean, I know he had one good finals and then he was non-existent in the blown 3-1 Golden State Finals. And then he's just kind of jumped around. He was in Dallas for a little bit. And then he's just kind of found a home in Sactown, uh, because that's the name that they like to call themselves over there for whatever reason. I, it's, I, I like it overall because, yeah, you get rid of Kyle and you get rid of uh, Duncan. And then you are emptying the clip from the first round pick perspective, but... I do think that that's not necessarily a huge deal too, because I think Sacramento would probably be looking to acquire a handful of picks like that. if They're going to get rid of De'Aaron. So overall I, I like that trade for both sides. Then again, I am extremely biased. Uh, maybe we should get a Kings fan on here and figure that out, but I don't know any, cause I don't think they're real. Uh, anyone else think, well, what is anybody else's thoughts on that trade?
2: So I, I like Fox and I obviously liked the start to a season before he got hurt. He was shooting, he was shooting a lot better this year, which is kind of my concern. Like, can he be efficient is really, that's the Fox issue. Like, can he be an efficient scorer from the point guard position? Um, so I'm, I'm like a little worried about, I'm worried about it because I don't know if that really, um, uh, I don't know if that, um, like makes him a championship contender. I guess it gets him a lot closer, which is kind of what people want. Like make a move, right? Like decide. So I think I think I could be talked into it if the heater, like, this is the guy we want. Obviously, he's under contract for a while now, and we're cashing in our chips. So you could talk to me into it. He's not my favorite guy available, but it might be the best guy that he can get. And if that's the case and that's what they want to do, um, you can probably get me on board for it.
3: I love it. I love it. Give me more of it, give me more. Culture. I love the Harrison pick pickup as well. I think that's that's the, the sneaky one in the trade as well. Um, getting the starting power forward for your team. He will literally be starting. There'll be no end, ifs, so or buts about it. But there's another player on that team I'm looking towards, and that's Rashad Holmes. Um, at the backup center, I'm making really good money. And I'm I I I'm very much torn on the idea of having either Holmes or Barnes on this team. And look Barnes would definitely make it a better immediate impact but having a backup center like Rashawn Holmes who just goes through spurts of being one of the best backup bigs in the entire NBA I'm you know I, I'm just high on the trade I like dealing with the Sacramento Kings I reckon they've got nothing to offer they um they gave our boy Apollo home and and we've got to reward them for that with all the first round picks uh for the future but yeah I, I'm a hundred percent down with this trade uh like I said scale of one to ten it's a nine The reason why it's not a 10 is because I just don't know if Sacramento will look to that and go, ah, three first-round picks from the Heat. How good could it be? But if if they hate us as much as everyone else does as well, those picks should be one, two, and three. So let's see what happens there.
0: I fucking love every single aspect about that trade. I mean, anytime you're going to get rid of Lowry and Duncan in the same trade, I think i trade Lowry and Duncan right now for Chandler Parsons and a Diet Coke, to be completely honest with you, like immediately. I'll drive Lowry to the airport myself. We can hit Krispy Kreme on the way. I mean, I'll be sad for Jokic. He'll have to graduate high school in Sacramento. Fuck it. I bet they got a decent school district out there. Get them all out of here, bro. The picks, they don't matter. Pat Riley's not going to be here for that. He'll be in Malibu. Doesn't even matter. De'Aaron Fox and Bam gives me, like, hope that, like, just the vibe that Mitchell and Bam were having with the chemistry and when Donovan was saying that he was practicing for potential Miami moves, like, just, just right or wrong here. Let's just get somebody next to Bam that can not only help now but in the future. Like, there's only four players in the NBA right now averaging 25-plus points, five-plus assists, five-plus rebounds while shooting 50% from the floor. Steph, KD, Giannis, those three guys are really good. And then it's De'Aaron Fox. Sacramento fans can stop with this little streak that they're on because, I know, I tweeted something about Fox, and they were like, oh, well, we're winning games. You know how this story ends. Will you ever read a bedtime story as a kid? You know how it ends, bro. This is not happening for you. You're not competing. You're trading your guys at the deadline. I beg that the Miami Heat make a move for De'Aaron Fox because I think it would just hurt – Like. You got two dudes who are best friends with Bam in the league right now. They will come play for Miami. They play a point guard position that will help your center out. They can score. Darren's a pretty good defender. Like, this is just a no-brainer, bro. Again, and Lowry and Duncan get to go. Like, this is just too good to be true, which is why it won't happen. But goddamn, bro. All Pat Slander would be redacted in my book. All of it. You know what? I'd start saying nice things about Kyle Lowry. Maybe he can have an OKC revival type year, uh, you know, that's Chris Paul had over in Sacramento and make a name for himself or he can get bought out and go play six-man for the Raptors. Either way, it don't matter to me. Just get the hell out of Miami. Give me De'Aaron Fox. Get Duncan out of here. It's been long enough. Uh, I love every aspect of that trade, bro. That was awesome. Plus,
1: Sacramento gets to hold on to uh, Malik Monk. So, you know, they have they have a really good building block there. Good for them. So what's that final trade that we're looking at here?
4: All right, this one gets a little complicated because it is a three-teamer, and there are a lot of moving parts in the deal. So I'll start from left to right on on where we're ending up here. So um, it is involving the Heat, the Hornets, and the Lakers, um, and this one is more of a facilitating our needs while maintaining certain flexibility, Um, and we are also, you know, not giving up every single asset that we have in a deal either, which uh, you know speaks to that flexibility available to us. Um, But it would send Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier back to the Lakers. Um, and we would receive Mason Plumley, Kelly Oubre Jr., and P.J. Washington, all on one-year deals. Um, and then the Hornets, of course, would receive Russell Westbrook to fit the salary match, uh, Oladipo, Duncan, and Jovich, as well as our 2023 first, and the Lakers, two first-round picks that are heavily talked about. A um, little complex, take it all in, uh, but I believe uh, that gives us some flexibility going forward.
1: You said that Charlotte gets uh, both of the Laker first round picks. Correct. That, okay. That, that might, that's actually pretty realistic too. The only part of that where I would think a team wouldn't say yes would just be from Charlotte, not wanting to get rid of uh, scary Terry because they really do like Terry Rozier, but getting those two first round picks back from Los Angeles where one of them is going to be pretty damn good in a draft like this, where they also get to keep their own. That's, that's a pretty quick turnaround rebuild from a Charlotte perspective and Los Angeles gets, for whatever reason, they get the guys that they want because they think Gordon Hayward's going to find a fountain of youth and not trip over a pebble walking up to a Crypto Arena, whatever the hell they call it now. And from Miami's perspective too, I really, really like everything that they would get from that. So yeah, no, I, I let, let me, let me pick from George's uh, rating system. I'd say, I'd say that's a solid seven. I do a seven on that.
3: I, I agree with the seven as well. I. I... Look, Plumlee gets us that, that backup big that it can actually move as well. He's actually a very competent, um, you know, athletic big who is nearing the end of his useful career as well. So, like, he's not too old, but he's not old enough to be, you know, Dwayne Dedman's spec. Ubre uh, is a perfect, you know, uh, offensive punch off the bench. And PJ is just the play that we were after the entire time, really. That backup big that can really be serviceable, can shoot the three. He's having a breakout season this year as well. So, um Look, we'd give up a fair bit, but we wouldn't give up everything at the end of the day. So, I'm not too um, I'm not too upset with that at all. Also, the Lakers get something nice out of it as well. They get those two picks. Um, so they they'd have to give it the two picks, but they get up, they get off that um, that Westbrook deal, and they they, they don't lose everything for him as well. Uh, Rozier would play a crucial part of that team, and Haywood would definitely 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 play um a bunch of minutes for sure. But um. Look, I feel like it's a win-win-win. Uh, this is the first time I looked at the three-man trade and said, "Okay, one team's not getting completely um screwed out of the deal. I, I like what every team's getting. The um you know the, the picks are really what's important to Charlotte, but for us to get those three three pieces would be um would be great. We're not really losing too much as well, so it's um I don't know, it, maybe the the front office front office will have to have a look at this one and try and um, crunch the numbers and see how this would work. Um, I like I like this one a little bit better
2: than the Fox trade. I know you guys are gonna be mad at me, but um, I really like PJ Washington. He he, he was he was gonna be uh, George left. Um, PJ was uh, pretty sure he was gonna be the Heat draft <laughs> before um, before we ended up taking Hero. Uh, I was like very convinced we're gonna take PJ Washington. So be great to have him on the team. Obviously, he'd be uh, a guy that they extended with his uh, restricted free agency rights. Ubre and uh, Plumlee are expiring contracts and guys that would fit in immediately. Plumlee's having a good year um, in Charlotte just as a backup big and he's not Deadman. So that's a plus. Um, And I really just think, you know, Ubre is an interesting player. He seems to like never put it all together, but he's kind of the energy guy that the Heat are looking for. I like how Alex went together and was just like, let's, um, Let's get everything done in one trade because I'm pretty sure this is gonna be if the heater gonna make moves, I think it's gonna be closer to two or maybe three. Um remember a couple of years ago in the after the bubble, they ended up doing three trades right before the deadline. So um I like this move. Um I, I'm again hesitant of doing Jovic and the pick, but it but you gotta you gotta give stuff up to get it. And I think in my eyes, um the pick is basically getting PJ and then getting rid of these contracts is getting in the expirings. And that's obviously, uh, you know, you got to attach a sweetener to that, which is Yovic. So I, I definitely know where you're going here. Um, I guess the Lakers are thinking they like Rozier and then Hayward becomes a massive expiring next year. Maybe they're looking for a sign-in trade or something um, because even though people don't really love Hayward's game or injuries anymore, uh, the big expiring is not a big deal. So, uh i'm definitely not opposed to it i think you guys like the second one because you're getting rid of lowry and getting the guy who, who could be a future star so i get it but i think this one has a little bit uh a little bit less of a risk and so that's where i'm leaning if you're gonna um if you're gonna push it but alex is a pretty good man i'm i'm, I'm impressed and I, I think yeah you did a pretty good job here
0: Yeah, man. I mean, getting rid of Duncan, replacing Deadman. These are some of my favorite songs. I mean, we should turn these up. Like this is, this is great. I, I love all this talk. Getting rid of Lowry. I mean, listen, I like the cap space too. I know they've been down recently, but I'm looking at it right now. Carnival stock up today. I mean, the fellas might be back up. Like the only stock that's lower than Carnival right now is FTX sadly, but you know, listen, money could be coming in. We could maybe have some free agents, could we get back to what we used to do? How'd we get Alonzo Morning here? How'd we get Shaquille O'Neal here? Can we get back to some of that? Just get rid of Duncan, get rid of these guys. But I like it a lot, man. I think the Lakers would like it too. They're obviously trying to make an influx here. The only thing I don't love is getting rid of Jovich, but like Harry said, you gotta add a sweetener, it's the NBA. You're not gonna fleece everybody. Not every GM is Chris Greer of the Miami Dolphins, but I'll save that one. Anyway, uh, I love it, man. These all the all these traits are fantastic. So I think I would do all three of these, and I'm just starved for a move, maybe, because this team has been run back for four straight years. But that's just me.
1: Well, all right. Thank you so much for joining us, Alex S. Sheltman. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll think of some kind of nickname for you anytime you hop on here, because I really like that segment a lot. And I, I think we might dip our toes back into that water as well in the future, because that was, that was nice. It was a really nice change of pace. So thanks so much coming on and cooking up some heat because those were three really good trades that I think got more and more probable as the list went on, as far as like each other teams minus Miami's ability to say yes to that or willingness to say yes to that, I should say. So as we look to hear close, Alex, you can stick around if you want, because we're about to give some predictions as we close the episode. Miami goes on the road now because for whatever reason they have they have just had a very heavy home schedule to start the year. And now they're looking at for the next week, all road games being Toronto, Washington, Cleveland, and Minnesota. I'll keep my predictions for last because you'll see why. But it's for whatever reason, Toronto's very hurt. No Pascal, no Fred Van Vliet. Uh, Washington doesn't have Bradley Beal. Cleveland, who knows if Mitchell's gonna play in that game? And Minnesota's Minnesota, because I, I'm just never intimidated by a team that employs Carl Anthony Towns. I'm just not. But so what do you guys think? I'll let you guys pick your order on whatever you want to do here. Well, what, what are we looking at from a, a, a record prediction standpoint for those, what is it, four games next time we meet next week?
2: Um, based on you know, based on a lot of the injuries of these, of these guys, I think you would look and say, they could probably do three and one, but being the, I sort of lean more pessimistic when it comes to sports and stuff, I'm going to say two and two. Um, I do think they're going to win at Toronto tomorrow. And then I don't know. They're playing well. They could, they could do something crazy. I'm just feeling like they they screw up a game somewhere and, and Cleveland's a tough game, even if, uh, even if Allen's a little uh, injured for them. So yeah. Um, I mean they are facing these teams at the right time, but I think two and two is where I feel comfortable going for the week.
0: I I agree with you, Harry. I think two and two is the right call here. I mean Toronto, I think with other injuries, we take care of business. Washington, we should, but we always struggle with dudes on their team for whatever reason. But again, I, I like that one. Bro, you know if Donovan plays, he's given us fifty, bro. Like, you just know it's scripted. Like, it's literally the NBA gods have the script already written. He probably won't even play until that game. And you know he's giving Kyle Lowry the work. Hero will actually probably, you know, maybe gut up and play that game, hopefully. Uh, And Donovan Mitchell will just take him to the woodshed. Um, There might even be a half smile on my face, to be completely honest with you. I would say that we're going to beat Minnesota because, again, I'm with you on some, like, the Carl Anthony Towns stuff. But they just seem way too big, like, for me. Like, I just – like, we're getting killed on the rebounds by some of these teams. Like, what is Gobert and Cat going to do? Anthony Edwards always gives us the work. Like, he's still pissed that that dunk wasn't, you know, that was called a freaking charge like a year and a half ago. Like, I don't know, man. I- I'm leaning two and two. I think they're going to win the first two. And to be honest with you, that could, like, since they'll be on a streak, what would that be, five games at this point? Maybe that propels you to a win against Cleveland, Minnesota. Um, but, again, I just – I think Minnesota's a bad matchup, even though they're having a weird year. And if Donovan Mitchell doesn't play, I think we probably beat Cleveland, even though Darius Garland is also absolutely ridiculous and maybe the most slept on point guard in the entire NBA, seriously. Um, but if Mitchell plays, he's given Hero the work. I can already see it now.
4: Yeah, I'm, I was going to originally start with two and two myself, um, but I'm going to go a little optimistic here. I'm going to say three and one, and I think the loan loss is going to come to the, the Cavs. Um, I do think we are going to struggle with the size like you mentioned, but I think the Wolves are just so dysfunctional. Um, we can take advantage of some of their weaknesses with the, the Cat and Gobert uh, mismatches on some switchings uh, if we can get Gobert out onto the perimeter. Um, I do think, you know, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are a little bit more capable of switching on to perimeter players and, and being a little bit more serviceable on that defensive end. Um, but yeah, I do, I do like, uh, the first two, um, that we have coming up with versus the, the injury riddled Raptors and then the wizards, um, who may also be injury riddled as well. Um, but yeah, I'll go optimistic. I'll go three and one. Um, I would be struggling to say four and oh, but we're not going to get there yet.
3: Yeah, I'll go next as well. I'm um I'm leaning towards the 2 and two only because I believe that the game against Toronto, they they're just way too injury, um injury hurt. And and while they will have guys step up, I still believe that you know we're right in the hot hand and we'll um we'll walk in there with a lot more confidence. Washington doesn't have Bradley Beal. they don't scare me at all. I don't care about how many heat herders they have, but um I'm I'm definitely like more confident in us beating that game. Cleveland's a weird one because they have so many questionable players for that game. Uh, will Will Donovan Mitchell play? Will Jarrett Allen play? He's been out with the ankle recently as well. Um, they're a bigger team as well. They've been they're a team that gave us a lot of trouble last year in the regular season, and um, I was quite scared of seeing in the in the postseason. So that that game is fifty fifty to me. But if if Garland, if sorry if um, if Mitchell and Allen are back for that game, it might just be too much, depending on our injuries so far. Um, I, I'm I'm going to lean to maybe an L for that game if they're all healthy. If they thing we go three and one, uh, but Minnesota, it's Minnesota. Man, like I, I can't even explain to you how frustrated I get when we when we play them because Ann will kill us. And if Go Go Bear and uh, and Cat are playing against Caleb Martin and and Bam <laughs> Bam has to sit, and then it's going to be Caleb Martin and, and Dwayne Deadman. and I do not want to see that. Maybe we just have to hack. Uh, What's his name? Uh, go bear as many times as possible to get him to the line. Try and stop them from from creating an offense against us. But I, I'm look. I'm confident in a two and two. I want a three and one, and I think we can get that. But it's just a matter of time to see we'll, we'll, like how the first two results go and see how we're going by then.
1: I, I, I purposely, I was going to save mine for last because I had a feeling everyone here would kind of go two and two. Alex pulled the fast one on me. I didn't expect him to. And yet, you know what? In the chat, we'll, we'll call him Alexander the Great. I think that's a good name. I think George came up with it. It's Alexander the Great. So uh, the the hero, Alexander the Great, kind of beat me to at saying three and one. I didn't think anyone else was going to pick that. That's why I was saving mine to the end. I, I think that win against Phoenix, as we touched on earlier, is going to propel them. Um, I, or they could have a letdown against Toronto. But if they beat Toronto, I really do think you're looking at the, uh, the Carnival stock going up, 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 up. Uh, I think they're going to beat Toronto. I think they beat Washington. I think they surprise everyone and beat Cleveland. I think they're going to have a six-game winning streak. And then they're going to come down and get smacked in Minnesota. That's that's what I think is going to happen. The size of Minnesota, you know, it, it, it's a problem. Uh, Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns, they're going to gobble up the boards. That's just what's going to happen. We need to get mentally prepared for that. But th- that, that's where I'm at with that. I think three and one. Is, is an optimistic yet very realistic uh, opportunity for the heat to come in doing that. So with that, we close. I want to thank everyone for tuning in and spending some time with your favorite random scrubs. We'll talk to you guys next week. Hopefully when the heat go three and one, so I can uh, hang my hat and, and gloat a little bit saying that I was right. So uh, take care and be good people. Need a stop and a rebound. For you. For three. Oh my. That
2: was the random scrub heat podcast.